0: Hey, I'm Tommy Chong, welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersisGrowroom.com usually you would have the cannabis news and events at this time of the week but this week we are having a week off and you're just having interviews this week and we've got some real good interviews lined up for you today's interview is with our good friend breeder steve he's been on the show many times before he's been on many other podcasts and he's a massively respected member of the cannabis community breeder steve is the founder of spice of life seeds he has some grow operations going on in thailand right now and we wanted to talk to him about the what was going on in thailand regarding the law changes and the different laws involved in running a cannabis business out there as well. Uh, We have a great conversation. We talk about his pool weed, which he grows every year. You know, he grows some weed plants around his pool. We talk about politics, law, just random stuff. You know how we roll. So anyway, I'll leave you to it and we can get started on this interview with Breeder Steve. It's a little bit longer than most of our interviews, uh, running up to nearly two hours. So roll yourself a couple of fat ones, get super high and enjoy this episode here with our friend Breeder Steve. Enjoy, see you in a bit. There we, there we go there we go
1: there we go
0: there we go how's it going sorry. steve good guys i'm really sorry I'm late. Not... oh no it's no problem mate don't mention it don't mention it
2: I, I wasn't even busy i was doing the competitive blood sport known as duolingo
0: ah. yeah, what, what is this duolingo
2: just in it's just to help you practice languages right and it's, uh, anyway i was trying to brush up on my italian <laughs> I used, used to use it long ago and I lived in Switzerland right that was uh, that business ran in Italian but my uh, partner's in Thailand is a friend from those days and his Thai wife and she speaks Italian a lot better than English and my Thai is still very rudimentary so I thought you know I gotta level up in my Italian because it's been 20 years it gets a little weak you yes know?
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> sir I've got to try this Duolingo thing. I've heard lots of people speaking about it recently.
2: Yeah, it gets to you know they sort of gamify it too, so they put you in different leagues, and so you're trying to you know Ooh. you get gems if you get high scores or whatever, you know. So they they kind of motivate you if you have any degree <laughs> of competitiveness. You, it'll suck you in, you know.
0: Sweet. You know, this week's sponsor. <laughs> Do Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Click the
2: link right below.
0: Nice. Oh, let's quickly introduce ourselves again, just in case you've forgotten who we are. I, mean, I know you've been on the show a couple of times, but just for those listeners who haven't uh, listened to us before. But I am Mackie from the UK, host of High and Homegrown, admin at Percy's Grow Room. Blah, 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 blah. What are you saying, Monkey? <laughs> I'm Monkey, co-host of High and Homegrown admin of the Percy's, blah, 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 down in the Southeast U.S. <laughs> yes, the most professional intros ever. Yeah, you I, I happy from the master <laughs> there, you know. <laughs> and you are Breeder Steve. How, how's things up in Thailand, Steve?
2: Well, they're uh, changing drastically, you know. Uh, hmm. We've had a hemp license there about three years. And then last June, of course, we knew this was coming and they would uh, declassified it the plant so it was a lot more available to a lot more people to grow and not just hemp of course but then now there was a new election recently and they're in the process of forming a new government that's definitely going to impose some more restrictions on it but what they are remains to be seen but uh, it's pretty clear they're not going to shut it down entirely but they're going to tighten it up a little bit so We'll see how that plays out. You know, there's there's a lot of momentum there. So you know, even though there was factions talking about recriminalizing it entirely, it's just the horses have left the barn and they're not getting them back in. There's it's way too uh, out there now to ever go backwards. I think you know it would be it would be really difficult for them to to go back on where it is. They might be able to pull back a few degrees, but they couldn't just shut it down the way it is now. It's uh, it's just it's blossomed. It's been beautiful. It's been great to mm-hmm. see the the changes in a year because I was there like a month before they descheduled it last year. And then I was back this year when it was fully up and going and everybody had had, you know, 10 months or eight or nine, 10 months to get their act together so there's a million people growing and literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dispensaries everywhere It's just really uh you know they they kicked it into mainstream real quick you know they're super common to see it now all over and even places using it like massage places they'll have plants out front and they say we make our own massage oil from our cannabis leaves and it's not like you're going to get intoxicated it's just that they're just Mm -hmm. kind of in the spirit of it that they all think there's a you know benefit to using this herb in so many ways which of course there is and is traditionally just an ingredient in their kitchens for thousands of years over there Mm -hmm. so they Mm -hmm. you know you can get soups that have the leaves in it and you know they're just doing everything with it it's just so fun and I hope they don't uh, make it a real hassle for a lot of people again, because the day they descheduled it, they left 4,000 people out of prison in Bangkok alone, I think. So I mean, you don't want to put them all back in. You know, mm-hmm. that's just stupid, right? So, yeah, for sure I think it. so.
0: Expensive, too, to put them back in.
2: Well, it's just crazy, you know. It's, yeah, uh, you know and then you have Singapore hanging yeah. people for it mm-hmm. next door, even whether they've seen it or not. Yeah, you we d- we
0: covered that story in the news because the the guy you only know. had a phone number, didn't he? He, he didn't even well, he, have any cannabis. He,
2: somebody, what he claimed, which was entirely plausible, is that his phone had been stolen and used for it because wow. he, you know, he didn't have the phone when it was happening allegedly. So I don't mean potentially he was just a patsy and it kind of seems like he totally was just set up like something.
0: Oh, I didn't know that phone.
2: yeah no somebody used his phone in the process of importing something and he said that phone was stolen you know you know what else are you going to say i guess but you know if it's true And there was some reason to believe it, like he'd bought a new phone at that time or something, because he'd had it stolen. He said, "Look, I didn't even have that phone at that date." Anyways, what a nightmare! Just makes me so angry.
0: It's unreal, man. Just to be to be executed over potentially possessing cannabis is absolutely ridiculous, man. Yeah, we've recorded, we've reported on it a couple of times. It's, It's just how how does it ever seem justified, man?
2: Well, at least Thailand's sort of leading the way for Southeast Asia, at least for Asia in general, Mm -hmm. really. Um, I don't know when we'll see something in Korea and Japan, but they're both introducing, you know, starting with their CBD and then graduating to medical, and you know, stepping through the process. But uh, Thailand really whipped it into shape pretty quick. Like it it wasn't perfect, but it was... uh, you know more open than I've seen it anywhere since Switzerland was right, a, cool, a beacon cool. of hope a long time ago.
0: <laughs> so, do you think your countries around it as well, around Thailand, are going to start legalizing? You know, like, well, like Laos know. and Myanmar is kind of country? I don't know
2: whether gonna, Myanmar's is a disaster, you know, Laos is a it's not really got too. it together <laughs> <You're> not- <laughs> either. But it's, it's not as bad as Myanmar. You know, that's I was right on the border of Myanmar in uh, Renong recently, and I think they've got more refugees there than citizens, you know, like it's oh. the people have to get out of there because it's just horrible what the military's done to that country.
0: You know, it's damn
2: absolute shame.
0: Mm-hmm. It is, man. So where about in Thailand is your farm then? What, what, how big is your farm? You have Steve Raisner working there as well, right? Is that correct?
2: Uh, not anymore, actually. Yeah, he was there for a while, but uh, he's right. moved on. Um, it's really in the center of Thailand, but it's considered um, in northern Thailand, but really at the border of that. It's still the flatlands. It's not in the mountains. So it's about a four-hour straight shot north of Bangkok. If you're driving, so it's still just a hot plains, very very tropical plains, you know. Nice. So you get the long, longer dry season than rainy season in that part. But when the rain comes, it's all rice paddies all around there. So
1: right.
2: the farms we where we have all our greenhouses built and warehouses and that is built up out of a rice paddy where we've had to fill it in like. You know, a meter and a half or something but everything you know everything was dry and empty around there in our springtime but now the rains will be starting and you know if it went back in the fall it would just be lush and green rice paddies all around it but um the size we got two different uh, fields i can't remember the exact size of them but the the greenhouses where, where most of the growing is happening right now, there's six main greenhouses that are about 40 feet by 100 feet. And then there's a couple of smaller ones for males or testers and mothers. But the six production ones are about 40 by 100.
0: Wow. How many plants is that?
2: Well, it varies because the spacing varies depending on the plants. Like if you're doing some... Long flowering plants like native Southeast Asian stuff, then they're going to be in a little bigger pots, and they're going to take a lot longer to grow, and they'll fill in more space. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we're just trying to turn over eight weekers, we might pack them in tighter, you know, high density planting in smaller pots. So it, it varies what the what the planting density is depending on the current crop. But we've looked at uh, about two hundred and fifty different sessions in the last year. And then kind of narrowed it down to maybe 12 of interest to go forward with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we'll see see what comes of that.
0: Mm-hmm. It still hasn't been very long, has it? It's been less than a year. No, just
2: over no, yeah, because yeah, by the time the greenhouses, well, we had like two of the propagation greenhouses we had up under the hemp license and we'd started doing the fencing and mm. the cameras and Getting everything built under the old rigs, and then uh, we just have been expanding, building new greenhouses since uh, since last fall, basically. So it's been about six months of uh, growing now. Nice. And,
0: what, um, what happens with the cannabis when it's done? Are you allowed to export it to other countries, or no? It well, it's time? not
2: export grade. You know, to right. export, you have to do you know GMP or EU GMP. And this is just the first sample crops. So the part of the EU GMP even is that it's repeatable genetics that you're growing from the same clone. They don't even want you growing from seed for
1: it to be wow. EU GMP. So wow. if
2: you're starting a breeding project and you're going to plant 20,000 seeds, you're definitely not getting EU GMP on your selection crop. You know, the,
1: mm-hmm.
2: though that weed could be, um, blended, you know, say you, uh, just wanted to homogenize it and call it batch number one, then you could sell it to a licensed processor for extraction. And most of the processing licenses have been with hospitals or universities, but there's one or two companies that have got them too through, uh, typically through, uh, exceptional connections, let's say, you know, they have some, <laughs> some of the right mm. people on board yeah. so they can jump ahead. Yep. Um, the processing licenses have been very controlled and and then it's a pharmaceutical product you know it has to be by prescription and stuff so to the best of my understanding the regs are in thai of course so when i get an interpretation of them i'm you know even if i'm 99 percent sure i'm never 100 percent sure mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're translating well but essentially you know it's you know, my partner's project on that end. And then as we take seed out, then it becomes half mine on the other end. So officially, you know, as a foreigner, you're a detriment to a Thai company. Like even if if it's hundred percent Thai owned, which it is, then you pay 7% sales tax. Forget if they call it EVA or VAT. I think it's VAT. Anyways, it's 7% for local regular sales tax for a cannabis company, not a special excise or anything stupid like that. It's just regular sales tax. But if you're a foreign owned cannabis company, or if there's even a foreigner in it, then it's 30%. Wow. Yeah. So you don't want to, you can't own the company. There's a foreigner. You'd be stupid. The,
0: um, are you you considered a foreigner over there, then, Steve? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah,
2: absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have to be very careful. Business is tricky in anywhere, but in Thailand, especially so. And it's very much, you know, jobs are reserved for ties and growing is one of the jobs. Cannabis cultivation is totally 100% reserved for ties. So the way you could, you know, we'd actually gotten a foreigner. We're the only cannabis company that got a foreigner a work visa there, but it was based on doing sales to foreigners you right. know because for that it's understandable that a foreigner might be better at that you know mm. for marketing and sales to foreign customers but as far as growing goes you can't employ a foreign grower it has to be strictly ties growing you know? right and they do come do by and do spot checks and that's so what they say oh, your hands and jeans are dirty you're you're working in the garden you could get booted You know, so it's pretty intense. Yeah, so you gotta be really careful Mm -hmm. how you play your cards there. And the best thing is to have, you know, Thai partner own it all, and then you have like the sales contract for it, so all the sales go through you, kind of thing. You know, and you can Mm -hmm. have that Mm -hmm. abroad, right? You don't have to have that, you know, client company as it were in Thailand, right? Mm -hmm. So you've just got to structure it. You know, in a way that everybody's happy,
0: <laughs> a lot of bureaucracy, then. Damn, oh man,
2: well, you th- you know, they're totally up in arms because a lot of uh, American cannabis has been smuggled over there from the west coast, whether <laughs> Oregon or California or wherever. And
0: goddamn you know, Californians, and tons of that a, goddamn, goddamn Cali you know, lead. <laughs> oh,
2: it's so funny though, you know, and the, but the ties are getting quite uh. Nationalistic about it, and it's pretty funny because they're so. Oh my god, you can't believe they're selling American weed in Thailand. They're screwing our farmers and blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, mm. how many tons of Thai weed went to America? <laughs> you know, here the bloody Californian growers bitching about it. Mm-hmm. I get,
0: you know, even in the UK, we ha- we now used to have thai, thai weed here yeah now that she's like,
2: on the other foot and they're just like Oh, yeah. we don't want the imports like well you like <laughs> exporting you should get used to it it should be a two-way street you know mm-hmm. i've got nothing against weed grown anywhere as long as it's good you know so yeah, the, yeah and it's nice to have the variety i mean i wish we could all get hawaiian or australian or lebanese or nepalese you know we should all be all the flavors everywhere mm-hmm. and uh That's fine. It's not like you can't get Nepalese hash in Bangkok. Of course you can, but then it's still illegal, which is, you know, you get just legalize it already. Like just depenalize it totally and leave it alone. They should be selling it in the duty freeze, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. you should have
2: dab bars in the airport lounges, you know, just, uh,
1: well, that I would like, yeah. They yeah.
2: to, to Calm up. the nerves. You know, you, they'll give you. You <laughs> can drink whiskey till you turn blue in the airport lounge, but you can't have um, a dab. Come on. Yeah. It's
0: ridiculous. <laughs> Are you dabbing anything? I mean, the last time we spoke here, or was it the time before, where you pulled out that dabbing rig and hit some good shit? You still <laughs> dabbing? I
2: oh, don't know. I quit.
0: You, you. You just. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> yeah, say. Why no, I, I, come yeah, on! Man. Look
1: at his face. Come on. <laughs> no,
0: I. Think,
2: I'm not dabbing anymore. <laughs> But I'm not dabbing any less, <laughs> you know. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Are you smoking nice. anything
0: nice right now?
2: Well, generally, I just uh, I'm rotating through mostly pool bud from last nice. year and yeah. previous Nice, years.
0: still got your pool weed. Yeah, I tried to
2: rotate through. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because I had a few different flavors out there. So this morning I used. I had uh, some. had pre-rolled four cones yesterday with the remainder of the jar of peanut butter rock star, and I blended it up with probably a gram and a half of rosin in the was pink Kush rosin that was kind of hard. It was a little bit older. I had it in the fridge for a long time, so I just threw it in the coffee grinder and made a you know a very uh, sticky mix, and so I had. To, Smoked two of those yesterday, and I smoked two of
0: them today.
1: Nice. I'm
2: pretty good right now. Yeah, the other one was just half an hour ago, so I'm feeling pretty fresh.
0: Sweet. I was going to say, you know, if you want to partake, then do feel free. The some thanks, some no, guests who've had before will be like, can we smoke? It's like, of course, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> if, I, if I felt the need, I would. Don't worry. You know Sweet. I would. Sweet. You know I would.
0: Yeah, man. So... With the uh, what's going on with the USA? Where in the USA are you again? I forgot which state you're in.
2: I'm in Canada.
0: Oh, right, you're in Canada. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, a... so how's the laws for you? Do you have a medical license so you can grow more plants, or are you in like no, I've never ever like had
2: a medical license I, mm. for personal use? I've never had one. I've always said you shouldn't need one because,
1: mm-hmm.
2: because you don't need a. I don't want a, to need a better reason than I like the smell of it, I like the mm. taste of it. You know, I'm qualified to get a medical license because I have two flat pancake discs, L4 and L5. I've been qualified ever since they had medical. I could have got a license, but I've always felt indignant about it on a personal level. Mm. Now, if I'm in another country and I'm going there to grow commercially and they have medical license, I'm going to sign up for that. That's one thing I'm capitulating to do commercially but on a personal Mm -hmm. level i'm just like you know i'm not gonna start paying for permission to grow a dozen plants in my yard you know yeah Mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. stupid it It just irritates me to no end so if i you know if i had a record and you know i under i don't blame people that are like hey you know i've already been charged for growing twice if they get me a third time like by all means get the bloody license and sleep well you know but for me i've i have no record so i have uh you know nothing but indignation when it comes to my personal garden. <laughs> you know <laughs> that's you know right righteous indignation is that you know I can do this and I you know challenge anybody to stop me. You know I always have. So mm-hmm. you know I was on CNN in the nineties saying the same thing with fifteen hundred plants in my backyard in Vancouver, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I have no shame in cultivating and i'll go to the wall with whoever wants to take it mm. but i you know certainly rather we were all just left alone but at some point you know you've got to say enough's enough i'm not putting up with this shit <laughs>
0: okay.
2: you know
0: that's right i'm mad as hell and i'm not going to take it anymore
2: <laughs> you, know. <laughs> yeah. well, you know some days you know especially i feel like i was an ordinary young man and i am an ordinary old man <laughs> so, <laughs> gonna, it's the only thing i do against the law anyway like i mean yeah what, what else is there you know i'm not a i'm not a hardened criminal as it were i just refuse to apologize for having herbs in my garden so, that's you right know? <laughs>
0: it's it's a ridiculous yeah. law you know i always like to put it like they the only reason why it's still illegal is because they said so there isn't any good reason to have cannabis no. being legal. And
2: then they go, well, we have to study what would happen. It's like, "Well, tell me to study when you made it illegal. Mm-hmm, you study mm-hmm. shit, you know?
0: Yeah. It's and it's like, what What people. do you want to know? Because I can find you the results for a study that's already being done, but you're just ignoring it. Yeah, they and don't there's... care about it. Anyway. Yeah, that's it, man. They're just full of shit. It's ridiculous.
2: They just yeah. want a reason to break your balls, you know?
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's pretty cool that you you haven't had any convictions or anything, but when it comes to cannabis, especially no, you after being a so well known sure
2: Well, I think you know, I was pretty careful about, with the exception of CNN or the yeah yeah thing, pretty careful going on CNN with, with fifteen hundred.
0: Magazines yeah. and stuff. I wasn't <laughs>
2: letting them put pictures of me and stuff. Like
0: mm.
2: I was, I was asked often. to say, "Oh, can we put your picture?" I would like, rather not have my picture. You know, so I usually was trying to at least keep my face out of the, the pot mags at least, if I, mm. even if it was on CNN the one time. But the, uh, um, overall, I just felt like, um you know, a lot of our laws are based on guilty mind or guilty action. So that's the criminal laws under the common law. If you don't have mens rea, is a guilty mind. So if you accidentally murder someone, you didn't have a guilty mind. So is manslaughter, right? But if you planned on it and you had a guilty mind and it's murder one. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: if you don't have any guilt and you're doing it openly, then they can never prove that you did it criminally because a criminal would hide what they're doing. Whereas, you know, somebody doing civil disobedience has no shame in it. Mm. And they're, they're putting it right in your face and saying there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. You know, so mm. I've always felt that I could stand on the mens rea, which is really reaching to <laughs> the very origins of the criminal law. You know, if you can prove that I have a guilty mind about these plants, then I'm a criminal. But if I don't have a guilty mind, I'm not a criminal,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's something that I always hope to play off. You know, if I ever get caught growing, I'll be like, "But my missus is a legal cannabis user in the UK. What do you mean I can't grow? It's like because and because you can't. And it's like, but those those guys that over in Canada and California can all grow their own cannabis, but we're not allowed to. I didn't know it was illegal. I thought it was legal. Now, you know, hmm. yeah. However, you want, man. You know, yeah, you know. I wonder if I'd still get. Ready, it's just got to keep pushing, <laughs> and you know
2: what? It is the civil disobedience that's what moves the needle eventually. Is when they just have to throw their hands up and say they're not taking us seriously anymore. Mm. We just have to go with the flow. You know, the people lead, and the leaders will follow.
1: Mm.
2: They're not gonna. They're not gonna give up the ghost until you know everybody's seen behind the curtain and they're laughing at the little man. They're going. Like, We don't care anymore. We don't take you seriously. They cannot put, if everybody's doing it, once you get that critical mass of people doing it, Mm. they can never say, okay, well, we're going to lock up one in a hundred people. You know, that's, they just can't do it, you know? Mm. So the the more ubiquitous it becomes, the less of a stranglehold they have over you.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah man, it's uh, it's one of those things I've always thought maybe we could get a movement up and running where we just start saying cannabis is legal from 420 and we just start letting everybody know are like, we going to all the police stations be like from 420 cannabis is legal because we said so. If anybody objects, it, then we'll you know. take it to court, you know. Yeah we'll play that game. Mm-hmm. You
2: can you can attack it a dozen different ways and yeah. really yeah. have to, you know, because they're never gonna do it without the pressure. They've had, They got to be on the ropes, you
1: know. Yeah.
2: Because they, as long as people will comply in fear, they can keep pushing, you know. But as when mm. people stand up to them, they have to realize they're outnumbered, you know.
0: Yeah, especially in large numbers. Mm-hmm.
2: That's it. It's a critical mass, right? They can squish a few people, but once there's a whole lot of shameless people saying. You can kiss my uh, <laughs> these are my herbs you know get out of my garden none of your business yeah period you know just out of it
0: i hope these guys in the uk do something soon enough man yeah yeah
2: it's been too long it's really been mm-hmm. too long
0: What are your predictions do you think uh, i don't know how well plugged in you are to the legislation around the world but do you have any predictions for What's going to happen in the U.S.? Do you think it's going to be legalized at any time? Like I federally? don't
2: think so. I, unfortunately not, because I really, you know, I hope it is, and I'm happy to see them make any movement in that direction. Mm. But the U.S. political quagmire is such that I don't see a lot of progressive things happening there, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> unfortunately, you like you know, it's sad but true. It's just the way it is. It's a... Uh-huh. A very unfortunate system that has begot the duopoly they have and they're you know you're you got a red team and a blue team and they've just passed the ball back and forth for decades on it. you know mm-hmm. none of them's done anything positive for it really
1: yeah
0: mm-hmm. right in our yeah, lifetimes un- right unfortunately yeah. it seems to be like a political hot potato right now there's no one in in the government that actually wants to try and push this thing forward so I'm with you on yeah. that one, definitely.
2: And it's sad. It's sad. I don't know what the what it's going to take, but I mean, obviously, I think it's inevitable eventually. But you know, it's a matter of generations dying off before it happens.
0: <laughs> really, unfortunately, you I mean, you're right. But I think what it's yeah, thats about it—an overwhelming money crisis where they realize they can tax this stuff and actually make money out of it for the federal government because right now the federal government's not getting their their cut.
2: They get they get more than enough.
0: Yeah, I, they you, do. You know
2: they get more than enough anyway. And what are they yeah. going to spend it on? Bombing some foreign country?
0: You yeah. know? It, mm-hmm. it, Dropping bombs it, on at kids some level, you got to say,
2: what yes. good is supporting them anyway? You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's good. one thing that the United States would have though if it did go legal. The federal government would tack would drop something like a two percent, three percent, five percent tax right on top of everything else, and just to pick up you know, they're going to have to do something. They got to
2: have their piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they, they always do.
0: Yeah, it's fucked up shit. That's
2: man. for sure. they
0: always oh, going to take their cuts.
2: Yeah. I think for positive countries, I, have, I, don't, I haven't haven't uh, read the regs, but I've heard that Argentina's made some really good strides, and I have a few friends that have gone down there to work recently over the last year or so, and they absolutely love it. They say, you know, even of some of them have places in a few areas, you know, other countries, but they say Argentina is the one to watch. They say that's uh, moving forward nice. rapidly right now. So
0: You going to make any moves to I get down there? I don't know what the
2: details are.
0: You know, it's just a long commute.
2: So right. I, I think, Thailand is I'd love to go well. for a visit. Thailand's <laughs> a good commute, too, but I'm already... You know what I mean? Like, how many more of those do I want to yeah, take yeah. on, right? And
1: mm-hmm.
2: Thailand, there's 15-hour time difference in the winter, and then with daylight savings, it's 14-hour time difference. So I'm pretty much about as far away from there as I can be
1: yeah, because,
2: um, you know, the sun sets here, let's say, and uh, mm-hmm. rises over there. So, I mean, they've had their whole day before we're getting started. So it's a, it's a challenge to work on those opposite hours, Mm-hmm. And it's always, you know, with the jet lag, you know, they figure it's an hour a day basically for recovery. So, I mean, with that difference, it's two weeks when you get there, you're all fuzzy, and then two weeks when you get home. So, it's a pretty big commitment. If you go yeah, twice true. for a month, it screws you up for two weeks at each end too. So, you're, yeah. you know, it really is a lot of time that it uh, gets into. So, just to be there for a couple of weeks. so anyways I don't I like doing it because it was a part of the world I hadn't spent much time so I like the idea of going over having two weeks around the farm and then have another two weeks to explore somewhere else you know some yeah, see yeah. somewhere new so I've uh, I've been enjoying that aspect of it where I have a little holiday on the heads and tails of it you know so that's a good excuse for me anyway. I think uh, another interesting place where I am going to go have a look, which is a bit closer and has some direct flights from Canada, is Costa Rica. So they've they've had hemp licenses for quite a few years, but they're kind of garbage CBD-only thing that wasn't working out for anybody. And then about two weeks ago, I think they approved their first medical license for a foreign company. I forget if it was Canadian or American. And then um, they'll have more applications in the works but the new ish president there is already said that they're designing ad-all use rights. so i mean it's such a beautiful country with so much diversity and natural wonder that i think it's a beautiful place to go and even just as a tourist i want to spend my money where they're kind to cannabis people
1: mm-hmm. i
2: don't want to you know i don't want to go and support malaysia or somewhere where they're stringing people up for it still, you know?
1: Mm, know, I don't want
2: to contribute to their economy. I don't want to go to countries Mm -hmm. that aren't nice about cannabis. I want to support the countries that are nice about it and Mm -hmm. spend my tourist dollars or retirement dollars or opening up businesses, you know? I totally Mm -hmm. will support economies, you know, and that's the only way you ever achieve anything in this world is voting with your wallet, you know, because Mm -hmm. the politics is a sham, but where where your money's spent is where you're granting the power, you know. Yeah. So, if you want to support people, you know, areas mm-hmm. that are doing the right thing and allowing personal cultivation and allowing people to, you know, have access or to get into production or whatnot, and I think it's we got to put our money where our mouth is, you know, and vote mm-hmm. with our feet to some degree too, because, you know, I don't. I don't participate in the Canadian industry, legal or illegal. I'm strictly team homegrown here, as I said last time. So mm-hmm. when I'm here, it's just Canada feels like cottage country for me. And all of my business endeavors are outside of Canada because they're really too restrictive here for my Liking and I just mm-hmm. and I know that the vast majority of the people that have gotten into the industry have had their asses handed to them while the government's got their hands in both pockets. You know, mm-hmm. the government's the only one consistently making money in yeah. Canada in, in cannabis. So Disgusting. there's there's always an exception. Like you always say, well, I know so and so, I know so and so. There's probably two or three companies that are doing okay. You know,
1: yeah, but, but there's they the have exception in the, the rule you
2: know? well or they're doing exceptionally good growing and they've got loyal customers and they're selling out their crops it's the ones that aren't selling out their crops they're only selling 10 percent of them which is a lot more of them and they're you know stockpiling and or destroying 90 percent of what they grow canada's only consuming 10 percent of what's grown here every year wow yeah 90% goes into warehouses and it's listed as an asset until they can't until it's like 5 year old bud and they can't wow, really hold an asset anymore and then damn. they and then they go well okay we have to destroy this you know so they're just paying for, for storage on it it's ridiculous damn. it's a, yeah. absolute You know, lots of people made money on the cannabis stock market, but very few of them make money in the cannabis market. That's a whole other story. it was you know, the way it started out here, it just led to a bunch of pump and dumps because it was too expensive, too restrictive to start out originally with the bank vaults and all that. And of course you said, well, they're not gonna keep the stupid things like that for a while. So after a few years, you know, they dropped the bank vault requirement and you know, but the first companies had all the sunk capital, you know, so they had to raise a lot of money to cover this egregious overhead and the punitive taxation on the product. And it was all based on, you know, them seeing that the price, the black market price would hold once you, once, once you're allowed to grow it, it's not going to be the black market price. That's the whole
1: point, Mm -hmm. you know,
2: and demand kicks in. if If people aren't, Having to hide their weed and grow it in their basement and keep it small, if they can grow it in the wide open and just go for it, well, of course it's gonna be the price of oregano in a few years. Mm. And if you I I just think the people in Ottawa are so economically illiterate that they think, oh. We eat ten bucks a gram now. It will always be ten bucks a gram. It's like, you idiots, it's only ten bucks a gram because you lock people up for growing it and selling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not gonna be, it's gonna be ten bucks an ounce before you know it. And now that's literally the price to the farmer of outdoors. Typically now a in Canada works out to about ten bucks an ounce.
1: Yeah, damn. Because
2: then there's the tax from when they sell it, then there's the markup in the stores and the other taxes on it. So for an ounce that might sell for, you know, 60, 70 bucks in the store, the grower's getting about 10 bucks.
1: Wow.
2: And that's fine. You know, you don't have to hide to grow. I always say, you know, let me grow a hundred acres of it. And I don't care how cheap we <laughs> I'll sell mm-hmm. it cheap. I'm happy to just let us grow it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it
2: could be like cobs of corn where you stop at the side of the road and leave your two bucks and take a bag yep. with 12 cobs. Yeah. You know, honor system, you know, that's how it was. Imagine how fucking was awesome that would
0: be! Yeah, Yo,
2: imagine you just you drive in the country, you see a little shack, and then you can go and grab a bouquet, leave your two bucks, and away you go. You know, <laughs> it can be that easy,
1: yeah. you
2: know. And I say, Oh, yeah, but people aren't going to spray it with chemicals. and say, Well, make the death penalty for people to spray chemicals and make the bloody chemicals illegal. You don't mm-hmm. want the fungicides and pesticides, why don't you go after those, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've grown lots
2: sure. of weed without spraying that stuff on it. I mean, I've never resorted to spraying nasty fungicides or or pesticides on weed. I make some hot pepper garlic oil or something like that. Mm. But I've never ever used some systemics. And I'm not saying people don't. There certainly are unscrupulous people that do. But that could be a crime. You know, yeah, yeah. punish That's that. Right. But if. If you you know if you say hey everybody's legal to buy and sell it but if we catch you selling tainted stuff then you're yeah. fucked. you yeah, know then you,
0: go into prison for then years. you can yeah. go after
2: those guys I don't care skin them alive I don't care you know no sympathy whatsoever for these people but if you're not selling tainted cannabis, you're not physically adding stuff to it that will harm people if you've got some mold in your bud, that's kind of a buyer beware thing. I think you can check out the bud first and go this bud has mold or this bud is nice and clean. you can mm-hmm. if you can open the jar and look at it, you know, you know mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and, and in Canada, the tolerances are so low that you wouldn't because it's fifty thousand CFUs, which is colony forming units per gram. Uh-huh. So they'll take a gram and see how much grows out of it in a petri dish you know but the thing is if you ask them what the colony forming units per gram are on cuban cigars crickets you know so it's absolute double standard you know
1: yeah yeah
2: so it's all overkill all they got to do is just say hey everybody can do it let it be like food if you want to grow tomatoes and sell them at your sidewalk you know, somebody's going to come by and tell you you need a permit or something, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But that's just the, you know, if you live in the city anyway, in the country, it's always a little slacker. But I know, I mean, I don't expect to see grass like that all over the world in my lifetime, but I've already seen it in my lifetime in certain places at certain times. So I know it can be done and I know the sky doesn't fall. And when I see them hanging on to the last vestiges of prohibition, like their lives depend on it. It just pains me. It's like, why... You know, And people will always tell you, well, you know, you get so mad about other people's political opinions, you have to respect your opinions. Like, Not if their opinion is to lock us up.
1: <laughs> you don't.
2: You don't have to respect mm-hmm. their opinion. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know. yeah, people yeah. believe some horrible shit, you don't have to believe, you don't have to respect mm-hmm. their opinion. You know, I don't have to respect <laughs> if shit. If your opinion is yeah. to leave people alone, I respect your opinion. But if your opinion is to be a busybody and get in my
0: ground, no thanks, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll call you out. Mm-hmm. For sure, man. So uh, what happened? Did you do anything in Jamaica? Because I think the last time we spoke, you were thinking about starting something in Jamaica. I've been
2: advising a project there from afar, but I still haven't gone down.
0: Right. So I have, like, some loose
2: involvement at this point. Mm -hmm. But I'm keen to go down because I've never been, and I always, always wanted to go to Jamaica. It's just ridiculous. It's just Mm. uh, the timing hasn't been super with other commitments I've had when it was a decent time to visit there as far as that crop. I had other ones I had to be at that were more mine, let's say. Mm. So I will get down there and get a little more hands-on, hopefully in the next year. But I'm going to see because if uh, if Costa Rica opens up even a little bit more, it's really tempting to have, because I like to have a tropical workspace that's one flight you know from here (laughs) that would be really nice because you know connections get old and long trips are challenging you know um there air canada had the first west coast bangkok direct route open this winter that was but it was full and it was expiring by the time i was coming back so i couldn't use it and so of course I had a couple of stopovers on the way, which make it a longer trip. But even that direct flight is like 17 hours direct. It's a long up. flight. Yeah, I know. So it's that's huge. Whereas you can fly from say Calgary to Liberia in you know five or six hours, and it's maybe a, a one hour connection for me to Calgary you know so that's pretty yeah, tempting yeah. where I can go Costa Rica that's a lot easier to get in and out of and you know if personal growing is allowed and personal possession is allowed and uh, right now it's kind of de facto I think that one plant per household is tolerated which isn't quite acceptable but it's still better than none right yeah, <laughs> and yeah, personal yeah. possession is okay so that's that's a start, but I think they're going to kick that into high gear because they're seeing how attractive it is to people in other locations, and they're working really hard to attract more, you know, people that are location independent for their careers or they're retiring. They they've just dropped the investment requirements. It it a few years ago was two hundred and fifty thousand U.S. If you wanted to buy property and get residency permit, then they dropped it to two hundred, and now they've dropped it to one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. So they really are encouraging people to move down there um, and get the residency. And the nice thing about residency there as well is they are a territorial taxation nation, so they only tax what you earn within Costa Rica. But if your earnings come from businesses elsewhere then there's no income tax on foreign earnings. So that's very appealing. If you know, you're doing a lot of international work, Hmm. that you aren't getting gouged on it, you know, (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: they, they want you there spending your money. So they are very clever. It's the Switzerland of Central America, they call it (laughs)
1: um,
2: for good reason. And you, you know, even, Just look at the property prices compared to Panama or Nicaragua, and you see such a massive difference. And it's just because it's a more attractive place to live, you know, and they don't have a military, whereas Thailand, the last few elections were overturned by military coups, you know, the military plays an outsized role in government there. And in Costa Rica, they abolished their military quite a long time ago, and they said, we're going to have an army of school teachers instead. So they have like the highest literacy rates. And um, I think it's a very forward place for international business. And that's, Mm -hmm. there is a lot of international business there now and more moving, I think. So it's a pretty clever, clever uh, society that way. And they've, they were the first ones to put to grant rights to like rivers and stuff as legal entities, you know, so they really are strong on nature. And to me, that's great because nature is all that sacred, you know, all the,
1: mm-hmm.
2: the written religions, profane and the nature is sacred. So I really love the idea of being somewhere with a lot of nature and the diversity of it's huge. It's really one of, you know, Columbia amazing for that too. It's a little bigger country and it has even, even more diversity in some ways, but, uh, Costa Rica packs a lot in that tiny place. That's for sure. So it'll mm-hmm. be super to spend more time there. I have one friend that moved down there and loves it. So I think I'm going to go down sooner than later and uh, start exploring different areas and see what I come up with.
0: Mm-hmm. To open up some more farms, that would be.
2: Well, maybe, maybe not, but at the very least, to get a place just to have a little winter home down there for. Mm establishing the residency you know and if i can set up a farm down the road i'll consider that a bonus but that's really i'm not even moving there to set up a farm at this point i'm thinking of moving there mainly for the residency uh, benefits and the fact that you know your personal is not going to get you a headache most likely Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and especially Mm -hmm. the way it's going where they're um, talking about opening that up further so hopefully they start letting people have you know columbia lets you have 20 plants that's pretty good wow. you know like
1: yeah. i don't
2: think they should cap your plants because you could grow whatever flavors you want or you might mm-hmm. like grow on a whole lot of little tiny ones it's arbitrary whatever number they throw on it is silly but still in bc i'm allowed four in columbia i'm allowed 20. I do appreciate Colombia a lot more for that,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. and I'm hoping Costa Rica is closer to the Colombia, but just for the number of flavors, like four isn't enough flavors.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: and especially Absolutely. if you grow indoor and you know every eight weeks you're picking four different ones, well, you could have a respectable collection. But I like to travel in the winter, so if I'm here in the summer, I just grow a backyard crop and. If I get one crop a year and there's only four plants, what if something happens? And I have a bad year if there's you know yeah, yeah. bad weather or whatnot, or just human error. If I'm away, sometimes I go travel a bit in the summer, and the you know, people water in the plants. If they screw up, you never you never know, right? Mm, so yeah. four, I feel like I'm riding riding a little low if I've only got four flavors out there. So I usually put a few more, but the but not a lot more because the way the you know legalization in Canada meant you get mandatory minimum six months if you have over twelve plants. Not really, not really the legal we thought, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So you
2: got to be careful what you wish for sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: clears
2: throat> the devil is in the details.
1: Uh, well, as legalization, always, yay! Mm-hmm. But
0: <laughs> you know, uh, but you can't have any more before. than ten grams. Can't have more than four plants. It's like really, mm-hmm. this yeah, isn't we're going to the
2: thousand percent, and blah, blah, really? blah, you know, Oh, you know, it's so stupid. You know, here they have a thirty percent tax on extracts, just the excise on extracts. Like, that's discouraging people from using extracts when you, you know, dabbing, you know, cold start dab, <laughs> a little vape of extract. It's so much easier on you than smoking big blunts or something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I think they should be encouraging extracts, but they're made of punitive taxation on the extracts so that it's discouraging, you know, it makes the price of them exceptionally high. You make your mm-hmm. own. And, you know, if you've got a really nice plant with lots of resin, you know, you're getting a quarter of the weight of that plant as diamonds and sauce. And if it costs you 10 bucks to grow a kilo plant, you know, you're 250 grams of diamonds and sauce for 10 Mm -hmm. bucks. Mm -hmm. Whereas you go to buy 250 grams of diamonds and sauce, you're going to need a credit check and a mortgage or something. Or (laughs) a hundred bucks a gram or something, right? So Mm -hmm. they price it. It's it's priced in the dispensaries. I think is okay for the casual user who doesn't really feel it because, but those of us who are chronic, you know, you're not buying weed by the eighth anyway, and you, know, you never mm-hmm. were, you know. There's no quantity breaks at the dispensary either, so most weed is consumed by the chronics. There's a huge, I forget the statistics, but it's a huge amount of weed is consumed by a very small portion of the market, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But those guys. At minimum, they want to buy a QP because they don't want to pay retail because they smoke it like it's going out of style.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Chronics. I haven't heard some people be referred to <laughs> as the Chronics before. But yeah, it is, it's know. fitting, man. It works.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm dating myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we remember the Chronic for 2001. But there was yeah. a Chronic before then. The, uh, the old Dr. Dre albums and shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, what, I mean, you work hard, Steve. You do a lot. you always got something I mean, going you, on. It's I mean, only it sounds like, like
2: it, but honestly, I don't yeah. on a yeah. day-to-day basis. <laughs> I mean, I'm hardly working, maybe. And, mm. um, what I've been doing, actually, the last little while, the last week, literally just for the last week, I've been onboarding a new assistant who I'm hoping can take over all the the balls I drop, you know, like there's so much I could get done, but I just don't have the ambition maybe that I once did. I've just got lazier in my old age, but I found somebody really good to uh, help me stay on track. So they, I, I can delegate lots of tasks to them, but then the things that I need to do myself, they'll push me to do them because And just because I know they're waiting on me to have it done so they can finish whatever they're doing. So Mm -hmm. when I was totally down to sort of working solo from home, I would put off certain things. So, you know, the last week has been awesome in that I've had uh, somebody who sort of forced me to get up and I have to, you know, meet with them online and, you know, make sure they're organized with what I want them to do for the day and then see what they got done the next day and follow up. So I am doing a few hours most mornings now with this new person. Right,
0: so you um, already found
2: the uh, new person. There's still not yeah, a job yeah, no job application open.
0: Yeah, No, they started for a, a week place. ago.
2: They started a week <laughs> ago and doing a great job. And if if uh, everything goes well, we'll do like a three-month trial period. You know, And then after that, is, uh, as things are working out, then I'd probably add on and get them an assistant you know
1: give
2: give them a promotion and get them an assistant but as it is now I've got to train them what I need to get done and how I want it done and as as I'm starting to see that result right away to be happy with the choice
0: Um, It takes like 6 months really doesn't it to properly train somebody up
1: Yeah I was
2: hoping you, if I could get them on top of my stuff for a year that I could be pretty hands off after that and uh, on day to day stuff So a lot of it's contracts because there's a lot of uh, licensing. So right now I'm in negotiations to license a new vape hardware that has induction heating, one for flour and another unit for extracts. So it'll be sort of the next generation of vape hardware. So I'm going to have a Breeder Steve version of that out. So that's one contract for that manufacturer. And then I'm licensing some of my classic genetics like the original sweet skunk clone and that and licensing that to other producers in other countries so we have some contract negotiation and paperwork to export the clones internationally you know so from license to license basically but that'll mean people besides me can be growing those which is really nice um and I did uh, licensing. I'm just finalizing. I've got a contract out, but I'm doing a review of it with a new lawyer for my seedless project, where originally I was going to take people's cuttings and make it into an infertile version of it and return it to them. Mm-hmm. But... You couldn't do that for American clients because federally it's not legal so they can neither export nor import the cuts. Right, And the uh, and then everywhere else, if you're doing it for Canada, Australia but, or Europe or anywhere, the paperwork's enormous, right? So if you had a thousand clients and you needed paperwork to do import and export for every cut, it's a huge, huge chore. You'd need a, your own law firm to, to do all the licensing and paperwork so then i realized you know i can cut this down to myself and even an assistant and just license the tech to do it to the other producers so i could license it to you know every producer out there that sees the benefit of having certified seedless plants which is a huge upside, right there. They'll never ever have an accidental single seed in anything. You know, mm-hmm. everything will no accidental hermes and shit. Seedless.
0: Well, That's maybe right. hermes, Not. but no be... seeds in it.
2: Yeah, yeah, there won't be any seeds in it. And the other thing is, those plants root in three or four days, so you're shaving at least a week off of a crop cycle. Mm-hmm. Shaving a week off a crop cycle alone is gold, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But guaranteeing there'll never be another seed in it is really the main thing. And then as a third benefit, they'll get to use our seal for Verisense. And that is like a certified seedless seal. And then Verisense, which is the brand I'm using, will promote all the producers that are registered, and licensed using our tech. And then we'll also, like you know, we'll also include a database with a map of every dispensary that's selling truly seedless pot, You know, right. so that's so kind with of this, a neat. With yeah, the seedless
0: females, thing. is it just they don't have pistols on, or something?
2: That's right, they don't have pistols. Hmm. so they just will not receive pollen. So even if right. you're outside and all your neighbors are doing hemp seed. You're still never gonna have a seed in your farm.
1: Mm. It's definitely it's a pretty big plus. Well, you know what? I've
2: checked out a lot of like even high-end offerings, even in Canada and again in Thailand and that, and I'm telling you, even the stuff that's super expensive, there's still like two seeds in every eighth,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it only
2: Uh takes one seed to ruin your joint
1: you know Mm -hmm. and if
2: you're paying 70 dollars for an eight and one of your seeds pops in your joint that's you know pretty disappointing to say the Mm -hmm. least it's amateur hour at this point if anybody wants to risk having seeds in their weed they just have to keep growing it the way they are and if people you know the big ones the smartest companies and the biggest ones will really be the fastest to adapt to this uh, new tech, I believe, because they have to cover their butts. And it's the same with like big commercial wineries. If you're a small winery and you make the wine yourself and sell it yourself, if you want to ride the low end of preservatives and keep the wine in a good condition, you could do that because it's yours to risk, you know, but if you're Mm -hmm. doing it for tankers of wine that are getting Mm -hmm. shipped around the oceans, Mm -hmm. you have to put the maximum legal amount of preservatives to cover your butt, Right.
1: Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm.
2: the, the big growers from the big, you know, pubcos, especially if they have accidental pollinations, which they do, you know, they, they're selling bud with seed in it. Sometimes in Canada, we've seen one LP twice, six months apart. Have a reviewer rip up their pre-rolls, sift them out, fifty percent seed by weight in a cone. Can you imagine what? half gram of seed yeah. in a cone? Like that's that's a bad joke.
0: You know, yeah, yeah. That's it's an April it, Fool's spliff. That one, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Oh, and that's two know. different
2: batches, two different cultivars, six months apart. And both times they have fully, fully 50% seed in their pre-rolls, not even in their bud. Like it's just an utter failure, you know. But even Mm -hmm. the top names, even the top brands in Canada that have respected for the best quality, I routinely see people post a picture and they they act like they're happy, like, Woo, I found three seeds in my seventy dollar eight. If I found three seeds in a $70 eighth, I would not be bragging about it. (laughs) I'd be pissed, you know? Um, But I think the tolerance for a few seeds in an eighth has gone way up the last 20 years because the young people don't know anything different because all they've ever seen is feminized weed. And um, a a lot of feminized weed is prone to hermaphrodism. And and that's... um, You know, I I never sold feminized seed, but I dabbled with them starting in the mid-90s. That was why I didn't want to use them, because I didn't want to risk the hermaphrodites. But the people that were doing it most successfully, they had adopted a policy of trying to stress the plants to turn and then only using the ones that you couldn't stress to turn.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. if
2: it stays female through, you know, a couple weeks of abuse where you're changing the light on and off for a couple days at a time and temperature up and down or drought stress or whatever, anything that would normally lead them to herm, the ones that herm, don't use those to make femmes. or you're just
1: Mm
2: going to have more herms. But the one that refuses to herm, that's the one you can use to make good femmes with. Yeah,
0: it just doesn't seem as if people are doing... Yeah, it's like uh, a lot of breeders don't do that kind of stuff nowadays. I mean, t- no, 10, to just, 15 years ago, it was that's why it's all did.
2: about the new, new, right? So they mm-hmm. they got to just buy the latest seeds that came out for 500 bucks a pack and cross them with the next latest seeds that came out for 500 bucks a pack. Mm-hmm. And then they can pollinate that as fast as they humanly can. They're just trying to mash, you know, make a popular mashup quick.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a big problem with cannabis seeds nowadays, man. It's just like they're chasing the hype, right? Nobody's yeah, putting in the yeah. work;
2: they're just chasing mm. the hype. I've thought this a hundred times, but you know the old saying about a million monkeys with typewriters could come up with Shakespeare. You know, you right. say that's that's been us. You know, it's been small growers the world over that have not only conserved what cannabis is left today. But has you know brought it up to what it is today. It hasn't been the concerted efforts of Monsanto achieving that. It's been you know a whole lot of uh, whole lot of small people with passion that have worked on conservation and preservation mm. and adaptation, mm. and having fun with it
0: mm-hmm. for sure. and I think it will carry on that way as well. It's like cannabis has always belonged to the people. You know, they can have whatever yeah. laws out there, whatever restrictions they like. But at the end of the day, it's always going to belong to the people, man. We do what we want. Well,
2: we I'm happy to see what, you know, the resources of big companies can do in the genetics world, too. But if it was left entirely to them, I would be up in arms, you know. But I'm happy to let everybody play with it, big or small. Let's see what you can do, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> if If they said only Monsanto can make, cannabis seeds well that wouldn't be acceptable for us but you know, hey we can all. all do it and then who cares? let's we'll see what they come up with you know
0: <laughs> yeah but that's a, a big concern well one day there's just going to be big companies making seeds and that's the only way we can source it do you think that'll happen well, one day What's with four plants there? in
2: canada hobby breeding's out so you right. can only breed in canada if you have a license Right. Indeed. Yeah. Which is kind of a drag if you're a hobbyist. Mm-hmm. Like I started out making seeds for myself as a hobby and I would always do that, you know. Mm-hmm. I love right. I love it as a hobby. So it irritates me to no end that they give us these arbitrary plant numbers.
0: Yeah. because there shouldn't we're, be any plant a, limits.
2: It's just um I, I kill like if I start ten thousand seeds, I call them three quarters of them at each transplanting, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm growing 10,000 plants to finish. If I start 10,000 seeds, I might finish 100 little plants just so I can see which is my favorite amongst them. But I have no more weed than if I grew four big ones, you know? I just have more variation within Mm -hmm. it, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. That's it. This is why I think there shouldn't be any limits. You know, if people want to breed cannabis or search for the perfect phenol, you might want to pop 100 seeds, man, and there shouldn't be a problem with people doing that. It's that's the floor right. space, that's the biggest no, it's, thing. It's just, you yeah. know,
2: it's that they even think that it's their business. That's mm-hmm. the part that gets me. It's like, <laughs> it's just none of your business what I'm yeah. doing in my herb garden. You know, mm-hmm. if, right, you it think, shouldn't be. if you think you need to have your nose in my herb garden, you've got way too much influence in my life. You know, you do. I'm not you know, paying for that abuse. (laughs) I will take my custom elsewhere where they allow me a measure of freedom, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. Here it's
2: a very strained measure. And still, Canada is infinitely better than 99% of the country right now when it comes Mm -hmm. to cannabis. So, you know, I know we're pretty lucky to have it the way we do, but that's only comparing it to absolute you know, garbage, like mm-hmm. the UK, mm-hmm. for example, you know, absolute mm-hmm. garbage system over there. Well, yeah, no, kind of no. like, <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: no, like 20 <laughs> years ago
1: or
2: whatever, right? 20 years ago, it was, you know, Canada had a little tighter system too, or even more than that. Like when they had just mm-hmm. one grower in Canada it was a prairie plant systems. Well, <laughs> they were growing in a mine in Flin Flon and it was garbage (laughs) seed, and they just milled it all, so they would send people just milled whole plant, like stem, leaf, flower, seeds, everything chopped up. Here's your medical cannabis, you know? It's so silly. You know, when I think of medicine, I don't think of flowers. Like, I can appreciate that they're you know, the whole herbs, you know, whether it's echinacea or cannabis or god knows what even mushrooms and stuff like the the organism itself okay it has medicinal value but when you start talking medicine or pharmaceutical grade and stuff like that then it's you know you're picturing something that's you know consistency counts and is titratable whereas in the one plant the flower from the top to the bottom is going to change in consistency as far as active ingredients you know mm-hmm. western yeah. medicine's kind of predisposed to molecule by molecule and the, you know if you're just looking at one cannabinoid and just doing studying the effects of that that has value but of course people recognize too that the whole plant has a more synergistic effect and there's something to be said for that But again, if you homogenize that plant into hash, for example, then you'd have a homogenized thing, or you make an extract out of that plant. Well, that homogenizes it too. From the top to bottom, it's going to average out. Mm -hmm. But I don't see raw flour in terms of pharmaceutical. It just doesn't ring a bell for me. And I don't care if you want to get raw flour by all means. It's not that I'm against raw flour, It's just that I'm thinking when you say we need pharmaceutical grade flour, I'm like, okay, name one other pharmaceutical grade flour. You know, that's not what pharmaceutical is. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you don't go to the pharmacy and get poppy tops to grind up and make tea out of. You mm. go and get a pill or drops or something standardized, oh, you know? And shit, yeah, yeah, that's right. The, yeah, the the dentist doesn't say here, chew up some leaf.
1: Here's a <laughs>
2: little lime to go with it. You know, they have some extracted hydrochloride. They shoot that in your cheek, or novocaine more likely these days.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I can remember even in Guatemala, like late '80s, when I was backpacking around there, and you could buy pharmaceutical grade cocaine hydrochloride from the pharmacy after its one month expiry date
1: <laughs> <Yeah. Sweet.
2: laughs> it was like 8 bucks US a gram or something for
0: like
2: <laughs> actual pharmaceutical blow, it was pretty crazy that was so like 18 years uh, backpacking around then
0: what's your stance on other drugs like that, do you think that other drugs should be I legalized? I think drugs are
2: marvellous as long as they're made well if, mm. they're, if they really are what they are that's great. You know, they're, yeah. they're a tool. They're just a tool, you know,
0: Absolutely. they're
2: yeah. not inherently good or bad. They're a tool that could, you know, you can use a house hammer to build a house. You can use a hammer to put a hole in somebody's skull. It, it's totally up yeah. to you what you're doing with your hammers. You I don't know? think Joe yeah.
0: Rogan said something similar to that. He says, uh, you can use a hammer to build a house or I can use a hammer to smash myself in the dick. It's, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, It's very true, yeah. man. It just depends
2: what so, you want to do with it doesn't it yeah i say you know with a chainsaw you know it can be a really handy tool or you can cut your leg off you know you gotta mm-hmm. be super careful so the hard drugs are you know often abused and they're bad news for a lot of people but do i think they need to be criminalized no i don't think that helps either
1: mm-hmm.
2: i think as long as they're they are what they're advertised to be and not mystery substances thanks to prohibition you know, mm-hmm. if you're getting mystery, but, and it's not a question even of regulate. I hate it when people say tax that not regulated. It's like, you know what? Even the regulation is not needed, nor mm-hmm. the tax for that matter. But when they say, oh, the drugs aren't safe unless they're regulated, well, the regulations are nothing but a false sense of security. And the fact is, like in Canada, even com- companies that were using prohibited fungicides in that, they weren't caught out by the regulators. They're called out by people getting sick, reporting them to journalists, people having it tested independently. The market Mm -hmm. calls them out.
1: Yeah. You know, so Mm -hmm.
2: the market will always call out the bad actors Mm -hmm. and it will reward the good ones. Mm -hmm. So if you just said, capitalism does, eh? If you just said all the drugs are legal, the people that are saying, okay, well, we're going to show that ours are really clean because we're going to hire a third-party testing service, you know, that uh, is uh, verifying that our drug is what we say it is, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas they, and they say, I wouldn't want to buy that. That guy is not tested, and his clients have a habit of dying. So people will avoid that guy. You know,
1: <laughs> they're going to say, hey, no,
2: this brand is good. I trust this brand. I know that they have. This lab tests their stuff and it's uh, on the up and up. So people will go to their trusted brands and they will shun the sketchy ones. Mm-hmm. And it'll, the market will separate the good from the bad better right. than any regulator ever will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. It's the best way for us to do things, man. Is move forward with proper legislation. Compete. Right? Yeah. They just need to compete. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: All they got to do is get out of the way. If the mm. state gets out of the way, people will tell you who's growing good weed and who's not. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that, they'll figure it out real quick, you know, and they'll mm. reward good actors. So if you want to say, hey, well, we don't want uh, any possibility of people spraying chemicals. Well, guess what? Even where they regulate against it, they still do. Mm, it's just correct. the market. Once, once people get sick from it, they're going to find out because the regulators don't actually test anything you know and the test can in the current regime can often be falsified there's Mm -hmm. there's solutions to that that are market solutions too that aren't regulatory but there's that's a whole other story which i'll keep under my hat for another time but (laughs) i i definitely conceived of a method to stop lab shopping you know but it's a business. It's not a regulation. It's a business that'll mm. that'll upend that uh, problem. You know, there's uh-huh. a, there, where there's a problem, there's a solution, and where there's a solution, there's an opportunity too. You know, mm.
1: so
2: I think the uh, the I think we'll see an end to lab shopping, but it's I can't say how long it'll take because. It's going to take some deep pockets to establish the business that will make lab shopping obsolete. Mm. So anyway, if if there, I've had a few companies sign NDAs about uh, looking at doing it, and they've all loved the idea. But once they realize what it'll cost them to start the program then they tend to get cold feet. So I don't want to micromanage it. I'm not trying to raise the money to do it. I just want to sell the idea to a company to, to run with it because mm-hmm. it's a very lucrative model. But you know, you've got to be able to sink a few million in it off the get go to make it work. So that's a long story anyway, which and I'm being kind of oblique about it. So oh,
0: all good. So <laughs> it nice. interesting yeah. all the same. Yeah, yeah. 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 Keep your hat on it, you know. You you've always got your your fingers in lots of pies, man. You' pretty busy. Well, guy, I try and you know?
2: have some creative stuff going on. The uh, a lot of the things that I'm doing now, as far as licensing, don't really involve production growing, like mm. licensing cuts. You know, that's just circulating old work that I've done, and licensing uh, certified seedless the Vero Sense brand that is really a contract and then an instruction manual for the clients. So it's not like I have to get up and do it every day. I just have to hold their hand if they're having any uh, questions about it, but it's pretty straightforward process. So I'm pretty excited about licensing that tech out. And then again, like licensing my name as a brand to go on, these uh basically endorsements really on some really interesting vape hardware because I wouldn't put my name on it if I thought it was real half-ass. But if I think, hey, this is really nice, I've tested it, I'm using it, everybody's gonna love this, I'm happy to do an endorsement, you know, mm-hmm. as long as I believe in the product. So I i uh, two years ago I'd contracted somebody to do my super soil against new special blend, and sadly they didn't quite get it together. They, you know, last spring and then they said, Oh, we'll have it ready for this spring. We'll have it ready for this spring. And they had like some demo amounts ready, but they'd had some other financial setbacks that didn't allow them to carry through with uh, the producing the commercial amount of it. So I think I'll probably just cancel that one on them because yeah. Okay. I gave you two years. You know, you drop the ball on that. We could maybe mm. pass that to somebody else, or just put it on the shelf. Because I would, it was. It would have been nice to get it back out, but not this yeah. year.
0: Can't win them all, eh?
2: No, no. no that's the thing is. That's why I like doing a number of things with different people because some people work out better than others. You know, and if you've got every all your eggs in one basket, you know, it's a mm. scary place to be. So, I like to diversify my projects with a few different people. On the other hand, I was happy to hire this administrator last week because he's going to coordinate that. So, instead of sort of six different balls I've got in the air, he can really help coordinate them. So, And mm-hmm. he's a fluent in English and Spanish, which is an asset as well.
0: Mm, for sure. He must use yeah. Duolingo. Just a quick word from our sponsor. Ah, I don't-
2: yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> yeah. sure. no it's good I'm really excited because uh, you know I'm an old dude now and I just want to chill out all day and smoke weed and float in the pool and I don't you know
0: I, I'm happy uh, you say old, old, old dude old. but you don't look very old Steve how old are you if you don't yeah. mind me asking
2: I'm over 50 now
0: oh wow okay you look I'm under 50, 50. <laughs>
2: well, I'm just very immature for my age you know? right
0: is that what it is it's like yeah. immature hair it, yeah. it, helps a lot. it helps a lot yeah but
2: yeah I start busy, to see the huh? grays coming in but not too not heavily and like even my brothers who are quite a bit younger than me have either lost their hair or had it turn grey on them and stuff and they're, they're always pissed off because I'm significantly older than them and I still have most of mine and it's still mostly mm. dark
0: it's They're the like cannabis, babies. man. It's, yeah, it maybe you notice They're a hungry. lot of cannabis smokers look a lot younger than what they actually are. You know, they age less
2: yeah. and, and they we're stress a lot more mature than we actually should be.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> but
2: yeah, it may be that we stress less. I've wondered that too. You know, it, uh, who knows? I'm sure yeah. it's just genetic, but the. But uh, yeah, just I don't have the hustle in me anymore. Like some, I might have it for an hour or two a day, but Mm -hmm. I don't feel Mm -hmm. driven all day to achieve stuff. But I come up with ideas a lot, and I know I have, I still have an interest in doing things, but I just like to, you know, delegate them mostly, (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) which is
2: essentially lazy ass bastard. Yeah, sure. But if I can get away with it and everybody's happy, then that works. So this guy's got a big opportunity because he's got, you know, he's got a guaranteed salary, but also a bonus based on a percentage of everything paid out to me. So he has a real vested interest in seeing that I get paid out a lot Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: whether, so he can pimp me out in consulting he can round up more contract sales for IP, whether that's licensing genetics or licensing the Verisense or um, endorsing equipment or something, right? So he's kind of my pimp now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll take calls as long as I can float around the pool and you know tell people what's wrong with their gardens. That's fine, you know? <laughs> But yeah, I haven't been doing much consulting this year. Like in, in some years I've done more than others. Overall, the thing I never liked about consulting is it's embarrassing when the people don't do well, because you might mm-hmm. give them a list of 10 things they need to do to mm-hmm. do well. But if they only do six or seven of them and they're not doing well, people are like, well, don't you have a good consultant? It's like, Yeah.
0: Thing. yeah just don't listen to what you, you fucking. and do, they're not very likely to say that they the did something I wrong tell you, if you do
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. half the things right and half the things wrong
1: mm-hmm.
2: it makes me look bad you know so i really hate you know that was one thing that put me off consulting a lot because i always found it uh too frustrating so i know when it's my own thing and then i got nobody to blame but myself because yeah. the decisions are all on me you know mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when if I'm competing, you know, for authority with people that don't know what they're fucking doing, that gets old really quick, you know, I think, mm. yeah, how long do I wanna you know, beat my head against the wall with these morons, you know? And Especially when been your i well. just walked away from.
1: Yeah. Mm. There's some mm.
2: projects I've just walked away from because I said, You guys, you know, we've been through this and you wanna keep doing things I tell you that aren't gonna work. I don't want to be associated with them anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what can you do? You can just, at some point, you got to just throw in the towel and say, this is not worth it anymore. So I've, half the battle is knowing when to walk away from bad deals. I think, you know, everybody mm-hmm. wants mm-hmm. to, they're all excited to have something going on, but you know, you've got to, and the, the old saw with employers too, is like hire often and fire fast, you know, mm-hmm. because, if you keep the wrong people in certain positions, you know, you're hamstrung by that forever. So I think it's good to know when to cut cut ties and and run yeah. <laughs> because it's, some, some of the projects just aren't worth the hassle. So I think saying no to projects is just as important as saying yes to them. You know, you got to say yes to the right ones and no to the wrong ones. And sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know they're the wrong ones until you're well into them, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. any projects Sometimes you've been working just... on in
2: the UK no I was invited I was a director of a company there I resigned from a year ago because it, we were supposedly starting out there was some greenhouses they were looking at refurbishing there was some grant from the Prince of Wales Trust it was all looking hunky dory down in Cornwall and we were going to have a hemp breeding project until we had the license to go medical so I was all keen about this and helping them vet some sites and whatnot. And then they just weren't getting together for that end of the project. And the guy that was in charge of it said, I've had a change of heart. Now I want to make it a real estate development company and build townhouses out of hemp. And I wow. just said, I'm out. See you later, Have <laughs> yeah, fun. He's like, oh, can we still keep your name on it? I was like, no.
0: I just it's breeder Steve, not builder Steve. What the fuck? Well, I'm not, it's not that I'm opposed (laughs) to
2: being involved in a development project. I was just like, the whole point I was asked in there was to you know help set up a breeding program and to vet what we're even going to use or what the targets of it were going to be and stuff. I was looking forward to that. That's interesting for me, Mm -hmm. but building you know, and I've even toyed with the idea of developing like some canna friendly communities places where you can have plants and stuff so i was looking at some sites in Colombia, even to do like subdivisions where everybody has the space for their 20 plants it's you know that you're in an enclosed area it, you have uh you know get a big estate convert it into 50 lots or whatever and then know that we're only looking to sell these to people that just want to grow their own and kick back and go surfing and build your own kind of fun community there, you know? So I, I thought that would be really cool. And I've been looking at some sites for that. And I do have some, uh, potential partners standing by that are happy to support that, but it hasn't been at the top of my list. I wanted to get a few other things in play for such as the seed production out of Thailand and stuff like that. and uh, and then I may reevaluate the situation. Plus, the problem in in Colombia, there, you know, there's a couple problems, but there's some great, great locations. There's great, you know, reg in that you're allowed 20 plants per household. But there's also a new, newish government that's designing adult use regs. And I kind of want to see what those are going to be mm-hmm. before I start anything new down there. And... The other problem is the areas where I was most keen on doing it. And this isn't, I don't know if you want to call it a problem or not, but it's you're paying protection money to somebody, whether it's the state or a non-state actor. And so some of the areas I was looking at, you'd be paying protection money to a non-state actor, let's say, Mm. and, That can work out really well. The people that are living around there are generally happy with the arrangement because there are no thieves. Thieves disappear in that area. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about people breaking into your house because those people just don't survive in that area. (laughs) They generally
0: don't survive. (laughs) So I kind of like
2: that. You know, There's something to be said for that because once you're back in the state-controlled area, crime is rampant you know when you're in the areas that aren't controlled by the state their crime is you know well crime against your property is non-existent there may be other (laughs) things going on that are you know easily classified as crime but it's just a different situation and Mm. and getting involved with that Headache might be more trouble than it's worth.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I didn't.
2: I didn't rule that area out entirely yet, though, because I. I can't appreciate that. I mean, you're paying protection money one way or the other. You know, it's just how mm. effective mm. is it?
0: <laughs> you know,
2: that's mm. the difference. No?
0: No, fuck that. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it'd be more trouble than it's worth, man. You don't want to put yourself under any risk.
2: Well. I do know lots of people living in that area that are very happy, well-adjusted people. Mm. But I think it's not all bad. I mean, I've yeah. been there to visit lots of times and I've never felt uncomfortable or anything. But...
0: I think we just it's told bad. that by the TV to make sure that we're afraid of traveling to these nice places.
2: Yeah. You know what? It's People are really scared off Colombia and there certain areas that you have a high probability of running into problems as a foreigner probably but most of the areas you'd want to go absolutely fine Mm. you know Colombia is remarkably safe and friendly place to travel especially in the more touristy areas but until you get to the really heavy touristy area like cartagena or something and then you're going to have more pickpockets and things like that but if you're more of a nature tourist and you like hiking and beaches and parks and stuff out there, it's very laid back. You know, you don't have the hustle, you know, if you're in the cities, there's hustle, there's pickpockets, there's thieves, you know, but generally speaking, you know, if you're just looking to chill out and go to really laid back places, there's really a a load of no crime rate. in Most of those places. So get out of the cities. And go to the, you know, go to the beaches. The beaches are fine. You know, the beaches mm. are nice place to be.
0: Nice, man. Yeah, uh, people are asking, well, when do you think there's going to be seeds out there on the market for people to buy? The uh, Sensi Steve, Steve seeds. Like, no, <laughs> the the well, impregnable the, seeds.
2: The, they're not seeds. That's a common misconception. Mm. Okay. They're not uh, it's not me selling seeds. Mm-hmm. It's me teaching you how to make a plant infertile. All so right. the I've never got the seeds to be a hundred percent infertile. I've got fifty-fifty.
1: Okay. So
2: if I make it takes me two generations, generally speaking. So the if I make them and I grow out the seeds and there's fifty percent with pistols and 50% with no pistols.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you just select your favorites from the ones with no pistols that resembles your original mother or improves on her, but she, but has no pistols. Then you have the fast-rooting, infertile, clone-only version of it. Right. Like it's not a, It's not about selling seeds. It's about never getting seeds in that clone.
0: Right cool man so but when is that is it going to be available to the average home grower
2: the nurseries will be selling these plants
0: right so for people who are in legal states yeah
2: yeah so i mean there's no way to no easy way to send clones in the black market right now internationally anyway like domestically you could do it
0: but if used, have you not seen them really cool tubes I got a little lighting and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, the little yeah. clone shippers. Yeah, but yeah, if I was cool. sending a you know, for me to send a clone to Australia or the UK
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. pretty
2: hard, you know, they, mm, yep. yeah, yeah. they would frown on that. But the way that it might be possible to do it will be as the artificial seeds or synthetic seeds, right? So yeah, they're they're a cutting, but they're just encapsulated. You know, they're mm grown out a Calus culture, you could make one out of meristem too, but it, as long as you could encapsulate the smallest possible tissue culture version of that plant, then you might be able to sell them to home growers. You know, if we, if we had a good system going, um, making the synthetic seeds of the sterile plants, then we could make it available through, you know, conventional websites let's say (laughs) just regular regular seed selling sites could carry Mm -hmm. the thing with the uh, artificial seeds is they want to grow out of the capsule in like three weeks or the shell you know if they're freshly encapsulated and if you desiccate them and then encapsulate them some of them will live up to a year but the germination rate goes way down on them right but That needs some work. Hopefully we can, you know, even just improving the nutrition or maybe the amount of how desiccated they are. If they're just maybe a little less desiccated, maybe you get a better germination rate. Right. But effectively that's probably how they'll get out. If they're if they were ever to be direct from me to the public, they would probably be in that format. But other than that, it's probably just a question. Of me or my clients licensing those cuttings to nurseries. And then the nurseries will get them out. And you know, once once it's sold from one nursery, it'll get spread around. You know, it'll all always end up with the home growers, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Because
2: even if I'm not selling directly to the home growers, if I'm selling it through nurseries to LPs, you know somebody's going to take one home, share it with their friend, and they're going to give it to four friends, and they're going to give it to four friends, and they're going to mail it here or take one in their pocket. They'll get around, you know? Yep. Like, I never sold the sweet skunk cuttings directly to the public, but I would give anybody that asked for one, I would give them a cut, and I'd say, just promise me you'll give anybody else that asked for one a cut. And now I can still get those cuts, you know,
1: <laughs>
2: a long time later, like twenty what was it? That came out ninety-six, I think. Either early winter or ninety six. Wow. So that's a long years. time ago. Ooh. Yeah. So those are really old cuts, but they're mm. they're around because they were shared, you know, and then mm, the, right. and I said as long as people keep sharing them, it's because they're worthy. And if people stop sharing them, it's because they're not worthy. So I'm Mm -hmm. not going to sweat over the ones that didn't make it. If I put them out there widely, they're still available. The things we said, oh, this is so good, we should just keep this for ourselves, those got lost. Because they're not in 20 different places. But once you've given them out to a bunch of people and said, please share this with everybody so we can see this weed everywhere, those cuts live the test of time, which really, you know, adds you know some veracity to the saying if you love something set it free you know if it's yours it comes back to you mm-hmm. <laughs> something to that effect right so mm-hmm. i think uh, i've seen that with that sweet skunk cut and of everything that i've done over the years that's really what i'm most excited about putting out first so i'm gonna release the clones i'm licensing to other producers for instance, one and in, there's two in Thailand that are going to have that. There that'll be imported legally from a licensee holding it in Canada to license in Thailand. So that'll be imported with phytosanitary certificate. It won't have any biroids or anything. It'll be shown to be nice and clean, and then they'll pay me royalties for growing the sweet skunk and being able to say this is breeder Steve verified sweet skunk. Or, and or even use real spice of life packaging if their quality is really high. The very least I'll verify that it's the real thing, and if the quality is really high, I'll let them even use spice of life packaging so that you can start finding spice of life bud in Bangkok or Bogota or Boston or Belfast or God knows where you know wherever you're allowed to sell it next.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, I'm gonna really go. Hopefully every year I'm going to release another of the classics. So I'm going to start out with the sweet skunk, which was like the first most popular spice cultivar. And there's no skunk in sweet skunk, <laughs> for those who are wondering. Anyway, that's uh, another story. But, the, but then I'll probably come out with a sweet tooth or shishka berry the following year and just do that every year. I'm going to send out another cutting or you know maybe you will be a blockhead next year and i'll send that around to the licensed spice producers and in quite a few legal states i've had uh, growers ask me whether they're in california or puerto rico or hawaii that they would like to be authentic spice life producers in those areas so and i've got a couple lined up in Colombia too that aren't my grows but they're um, friends grows who want to do it one of the one of them, they're actually twins, these guys. And the first time they ever grew, they grew Sweet 2, 3, and Blockhead. And yes. that was the first time they ever grew weed. So that was a long time ago, you know, 20-some 20, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And, the, you know, they made a life out of it. So they, they're they like, man, we'd be so stoked to be official spice producers here. So I'm going to have those guys grow in, some, in one area Another friend in a different area, and I may give them some different cuts even so that they have, uh, they're not both necessarily growing sweet skunk, but maybe I'll start one out with sweet tooth and start the other one out with sweet skunk or something. So there's uh, uh, always
1: so
2: much so going on, man. It'll be,
0: Yeah, it'll be really I think neat, you need you know, an assistant, Steve.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> luckily I just got one. So, but <laughs> once they, once I overwhelm them, then we'll, then we'll definitely find another one. But uh, I'm really hoping that they can be lifers, you know, because I think that I've given them a generous program if they can hold on to, if they can uh, keep everything moving for me without me slowing it down, then then I can definitely kick back and I can still focus on actual breeding projects and the stuff I love. The parts I don't love, I have somebody else to do, you know. I, I'm, you know, I'm good with conceiving of, of strategic vision for different projects and stuff like that, but I'm a terrible day-to-day manager, you know, and mm. partly is that I just like to be stoned to the bone and that's not necessarily conducive to day-to-day company <laughs> management. So somebody that has formal training in business administration is a big asset for me because I can hand off organizational things to them sort of the sundry tasks as i like to think of it and whereas if i want to just spend my day sampling 50 different flavors and getting to the bottom of it you know i'll keep doing that i I really i like working with the cannabis directly more so than with the contracts and the license applications and all the fun stuff that legal entails know we didn't used to have to do all that you know you could Mm -hmm. you made deals on handshakes Mm and in the good old days (laughs) it wasn't always good but it was a lot less formal and Mm -hmm. i was happy working with the informality let's say Mm -hmm. whereas i found in the formal business now and before we were all kind of on the same side to some degree even if we weren't but we no nobody wanted to get busted. <laughs> so you, you all had to mind your P's and Q's a little bit. It wasn't <laughs> good business to start having, you know, battles with people. Whereas now it's just people lawyering up and lying to, to get whatever they can, you
1: know. they're
2: just so many dirt bags. Once they legalized it, it attracted so many spineless dirt bag douchebags. They would never have touched it with a ten-foot pole when it was illegal because they had no stomach for it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But once it's legal, they want to get their, you know, grubby little paws all over it. And these are the real dirtbags, you know. Like yeah. I've never seen such poor behavior in the black market as I have seen amongst players in the legal market. It's is shameful. How greasy so many of them are really uh, is yeah, pathological liars, and yeah,
0: just I mean, you, you'll people. get beat, just you get beaten up in the legacy market for doing shit like that, but you can't do well, that, that when it's yeah, you get no.
2: or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I don't have uh, I just have so much lower tolerance for. Me shenanigans you know i just think oh my god these guys would never have dared in the old days you know but mm. now that it's all about what their lawyers think they can get away with you just think you want yeah. nothing to do with these people you know and i have just yeah. started really shrinking my circle and pulling back from the more corporate gigs and uh, just want to do independent stuff. And especially even the non-production stuff where it's just licensing tech or licensing genetics or licensing the brand, you know? Mm. Um, But again, that's a lot of contracts and a lot of desk work, you know? So I'm not good at keeping my ass in the desk. I want to get out in the sunshine and play in the Mm. backyard.
0: Sit by the pool with your uh, plants, you know? <laughs> no, I've, been, I've
2: definitely got a little too slack to get everything done that I should. So I knew that I was falling behind on what I could potentially be getting done. So bringing on an assistant who can uh, manage steving is going to be a,
1: a big relief, I
2: think. And and hopefully, you know, a good business move if it all works out all around, you know, mm-hmm. that that person hopefully is making millions within a year or so, you know, that's would be mm. ideal because if they are, it means I am too, you know,
0: <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and that's, that's definitely ideal.
2: Yeah. With, with me <laughs> slacking off, that's the key part, you know, <laughs> if I can manage to just stay in a visionary state, I have to maintain my visionary state. You know,
0: mm-hmm. well, He's getting all Zen since he's been to Thailand. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's
1: right. laughs>
0: Yeah, man, you're always doing so much, Steve, and it's, it's always interesting to talk to you, man. You've always got so many cool projects up and running and shit. And I'm glad you managed to find an assistant so you can take a break and smoke more.
2: Well, you. you know, my problem was it wasn't that I needed to take a break. It's that I was taking a break, and I wasn't getting,
1: you're, wasn't yeah, yeah.
2: keeping up with mm-hmm. what I could get done in business. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: So even line up some consulting gigs. I've had some really you know, exceptionally well paying consulting gigs. And I thought, you know, it's kind of stupid of me not to do more of that, but do I really want to work hard at chasing them? I never I was never chasing Mm. them. They were just offered to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So the best paid consulting gig I'd been offered one time was twenty hours at twenty at two thousand five hundred euros an hour. So it was fifty thousand euros for two days. It was a well a day, two and a half days. They said one day with our field crew, close to harvest time, one day with uh, the greenhouse crew, and then write up a report and spend half a day presenting that to the executive. So that would take three days. But it was essentially a twenty-hour contract for fifty thousand euros. And I thought, if I did that once a month,
1: <laughs> you know, I'd be mean,
2: you know, better than once every three years, right? So mm-hmm. thought, you know, but I'm not going to actively go out and you know try and chase down the opportunity. I think it's less convincing if you are, whereas if you have somebody else out there who's like, "I'll get ten percent out of everything I line up for them," <laughs> they've got a vested interest in mm-hmm. lining up gigs for you, right? So you said you can do that appointment setting and sales, as it were, and if you know the. I'm happy, you know, even one hour. And so I said that was on site. So I said, for one hour, I happily do quite a bit less. But I've been doing the consulting since then for remote work, like a thousand dollars an hour. So if if somebody's even just looking at a business plan they're thinking of investing in, they would be retarded not to have me read it over for half an hour and give them feedback for half an hour that one hour could save them from making a huge mistake. And some of the people that had hired me to look at their business plans, which were their own. And I'd say, listen, this is wrong. This is wrong. You're going to fail. Don't do it. I was like, you don't need me anymore. This was the one hour. I said, I'm just telling you, don't pursue this business or you're going to lose money. You know? So sometimes, you know, for me, that's not the, you know, it's not about me making a long-term client out of them. It's about me telling them, "Hey, you're going to get your ass handed to you here. Mm. Just don't do it." You know. So sometimes that's the best advice you can give people, mm. and it's often not something they want to hear. But it's the best thing you can tell them if it's true. like, you're going to get. You know, it's not going to work out. Sorry, but Did they listen they have to you to. when you
0: tell them that, though
2: sometimes yeah sometimes they do and i think i saved one from doing it that was they were going to build um a really nice greenhouse strictly for growing cbd indoors and in, in greenhouse in california and i was like you've missed that market in my you know a decade at least like mm-hmm. there's no money in growing horticul- horticultural scale cbd it's Mechanized agriculture is producing it. You cannot compete with people in a greenhouse growing CBD for extract. And they wanted to, their main thing was they wanted to be like selling a CBD cosmetic. So I said, just buy the CBD, make the cosmetic. But, you know, setting up this greenhouse, you're going to lose a ton of money. You know, you're just going to lose everything you put into it. And they don't want, <laughs> that's not what they want to hear. But on the other hand, it is kind of what they needed to hear. So I hopefully, I haven't followed up with them in a while because they're not clients. But I told them, listen, your cosmetic thing sounds like a winner. You know, they already had experience selling this type of product. So I was like, if you believe in it and and you think you can still move your product through the channels you want to do, just do all that part of it, but leave out the cultivation because you're never going to compete with somebody growing, harvesting with a combine. If you're out there in the greenhouse with a huge staff, you know,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. But hopefully, hopefully, whatever they did worked for them. But I would rather tell somebody not to do it than string them along. You know, yeah, for sure, I can yeah. say, "Oh yeah," and well, I'll string you along for an hour a month, all year. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't, I'll shut you down quick if I say, "Hey, this is." I'm just going to feel bad if you, you know, go through with all this and then you realize, "Hey, this the math doesn't add up." You know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you got better to figure that out before you plant than after.
0: Yeah, man. That's it. The truth might hurt, but it's always right. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, uh, I, You know, I wouldn't feel good if I told them, oh yeah, no, just let's talk about it every month. Keep going. You know, I'm not mm. going to do that for them. There's a lot of places that I I think they benefit, even the small places. That if they just have me review what they're doing for one hour a month, you know, just to have a little touchstone time you know let's look at what you're doing Mm -hmm. what your plan was where the any challenges are you know Mm -hmm. one hour a month i can really help a lot of a lot of places you know Mm -hmm.
0: but look at this we catch you for like i don't know it's near two hours now really steve
2: is that right? Oh, yeah. Sorry Time that. flies but when we're chatting to you, man. We I came always... on late. Yeah, I feel bad. Today. I was
0: uh, <laughs> emailed really yesterday. I was like, oh, what? Well, I got that call
2: tomorrow. I got the call tomorrow. And then today I was outside doing some stuff in the backyard.
0: Nice. No, what are you doing today on your own, bro?
2: Well, I, I'm going to plant it Friday, which is really late for me. But uh, I just hadn't got around to going to see my friend and getting some plants this year. I know he's got one fat sweet skunk ready for me, so I'm excited no, to put that out. And uh, But yeah, I've been slack. I was late getting the pool open, and we got unseasonably warm early this year. So by the time I opened the pool, you could almost walk across it on the algae. And then uh, yesterday, my hot tub <laughs> heater broke after I'd cleaned it out. So I'm like, jeez. So I'm getting getting my uh, chores caught up with around the house, but I just come inside, and I was doing that damn Duolingo thing, and then you messaged me and said, "Oh, we're on." I was like,
1: "Oh shit!" I knew I was doing. That.
2: <laughs> Anyways, one of my AirPods just died, so the other one's probably about to go.
0: Two hours ain't bad
2: for them. I gotta give them that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Thanks for having me, okay. Oh no, yeah. don't
0: mention it, man. Thank you for coming to join us, Breeders Team. It's always a pleasure, man, and you're always welcome. Whenever you're free, you can always come and chat we'll to us again. Bro. Yes.
2: All right. You guys have a great day. A great yeah, evening,
0: man. and good luck with everything. Keep us informed, man.
2: Thanks, brother. Take care. Yes. Yeah, see, see you nice day.
0: Bye now. See you guys. See you. So, there we go, everybody. That was our interview with Breeder Steve. Real interesting conversation, man. And I'm particularly intrigued about the cannabis he is making that can't be seeded. That's very interesting stuff, man. I'm looking forward to see how that turns out in the future. Let us know what you think about this and come and join the discussion over at Percy'sGrowRoom.com. Feel free to come and sign up if you're not a member already. But in the meantime, thank you very much for being here, downloading, and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Breeder Steve. It's always a pleasure to get him on the show. And I'm sure we'll be getting him back on the show very soon on Wednesday we have another interview that's with Ryan Sprague it's another real good interview so hopefully we'll see you then don't forget to share if you can but of course no pressure we just appreciate you being here and listening to the show I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you on the next one on Wednesday stay high and stay safe everybody we'll see you then goodbye